Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to do some money in politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore. Committee to Unleash Prosperity and Freedom Works. <clears throat> Gubzilla is his book. So, kids, welcome back. A good op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal this week by Phil Graham saying the Republican House can restrain spending. The slender majority is the only century at the gate. Lawmakers have a duty to protect America's fist. Now, I had Phil on the first half hour of this show, and he's sticking with it, but it's not going to be easy. So I'll begin with you, Steve Moore. Number one, will Kevin McCarthy be the next speaker? And number two, will the Republican House restrain spending? So the first one is, uh, at the end of the day, Kevin McCarthy will be speaker. Um, this is taking a little, little longer, of a heavier lift than, than uh, we thought, because there is opposition among about eight to ten uh, conservatives. And, and with only, a, what is it, a five-seat majority or so that the Republicans have, Kevin McCarthy needs virtually every Republican vote. But they will sort that out. And Kevin McCarthy will, in January, become the speaker. And I think he'll be fine. You know, I, I have some problems with Kevin McCarthy, but I think he's a, he's a good man, and I think he's uh, conservative enough. What are your so problems with him? Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I'm not going to let um, that pass. What are, you, <laughs> okay. what are your problems I'm with him? I'm still a little angry at him because Ooh. he had uh, we had met with him back in uh, when that, uh, uh, remember that um, so-called infrastructure bill, the Green New Deal bill yep. passed. Yep. Um, you know, we had a deal with him that he would not allow Republicans to be to provide the votes needed to pass it. In other words, uh, if it was going to pass, it had to have the, you know, Pelosi had to get to 218 votes. She couldn't get to 218 votes, and and Republicans in the House, there were a handful of them, that actually ended up voting for that bill and brought it over the top. And and I, I was angry at him for that. You know, I felt betrayed, and I know a lot of my conservative friends in the House did, too. It may seem like a minor thing, but but he's not as fiscally conservative as I would like. But he's a good man. I'm, and I'm friends with Kevin McCarthy, and I know you are, too. But the bigger question is, will Republicans become stingy on the budget and right. do what they need to do, which is start cutting spending? Uh, you know, I think we need to cut about a trillion dollars over the next 10 years out of this baseline, which should be a layup, given that we've added you know, $5 trillion of spending over the last few years. Um, not so confident that they will do that, given that the first thing that they voted on in their caucus uh, after the election was to <laughs> reinst- reinstate Earmark, yep. <laughs> uh, which are the pork barrel projects. So, you know, we'll see. But the job of people like you and me and Liz and others is to keep their feet to the fire because it's it, Phil Graham is right. Nancy Pelosi and I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Biden cannot spend one single penny without approval of the House of Representatives. Oh, well, that's right. I mean, that was his key point. So, um, Liz Peake, I give you the same. A, Kevin McCarthy, speaker, question mark. B, will they restrain spending? 
<laughs> well, I'm not going to disagree with much of what Steve had to say. Yes, I think Kevin McCarthy will be the speaker, mainly because there hasn't really been any well, alternative yeah. forward. I mean, that's, right. that sort of makes the opposition to Kevin McCarthy look a little bit disingenuous right. to my way of thinking. But anyway, yes, I think he's got the votes. Ultimately, he can make enough deals uh, about committee assignments and one thing or another, and he'll end up speaker. As to restraining spending, I, I was going to bring up earmarks. I mean, I don't know about anybody else. I find uh, I find the entire discussion really kind of nauseating. We got rid of them. There was a reason for that. People really don't like it. I get it that it facilitates horse trading. I, I do think that's probably right. an important thing. And I know that's why people who advocate for them want them. But it's, you know, honestly, it is, it is truly the soup. Uh, when you end up looking, when you when you look at these bills that end up being put together, run thousands of pages and have all these completely uh, miscellaneous things stuffed into them, you know, voters get really depressed about it. I get depressed about it, and I'm sad to see that come back. Otherwise, yeah, I think they're going to try and restrain spending. But let's face it, we're in again another election cycle. We always are an election cycle. <laughs> Republicans don't want to be made uh, out to be the bad guys who are taking away benefits that people have gotten used to or have hoped for. Um, honestly, I, I hope between some backbone in the GOP and the Supreme Court, which I think looms larger and larger in terms of just de- defrocking Joe Biden's imperial instincts, I hope we end up with a little more rational spending outlook. But, boy, it's going to take backbone. I love that. Def- so can I, that can I add one thing what- I love that defrocking, yeah. Liz. That is really good. Really, can, really good. Can I good. add something to this, Larry? Yeah. Um, you, know, a re- you know, cutting spending every time uh, Republicans, and this goes back to the early 80s, you know, when you were working with Ronald Reagan. And, you know, we, we attempt to go after Medicare and Social Security and these entitlement programs. And you're my friend, Russ Lot, who yep. was he, he was the OMB director for yep. Trump, right? I mean, he makes a good point. Why don't we go after the other programs? <laughs> you know, why don't we have to go go? At, why don't we go after the green energy programs? Why don't we go after the the pork and the spending bills? Why don't we go after uh, you know the eighty seven thousand IRS agents? There's plenty of things to cut, and I'm tired of falling into this trap of of you know. I saw some of the senators saying, "Oh, we're going to cut back at all these entitlement programs." You know, look, there's a lot of waste in the entitlement programs, and they need to be reformed. But it, it's a bit of a trap, Larry. And then the Democrats say, there are the Republicans. Go. Remember back in 81, that's that kind of tripped up Reagan. Remember when he, we talked about, oh, we're going to change the COLA formula for Social Security. And uh, he got a head, his head handed to him. So go after the low-hanging fruit before you have to go well, after the you know, sensitive program. Russ, it's interesting. On the, Russ vote was on the show Friday night. And he's got a balanced budget plan, which cuts $9 trillion uh, out of the budget over the next 10 years. Okay, $9 trillion. That's a very hefty number. <laughs> That's a big number. <laughs> now, there's two things here, though, that's very interesting. You, one of them is workfare. If yep. you restore yep. work requirements yep. to all these mandatory, they become mandatory spending, right? It's mm-hmm. welfare, yep. whatever welfare is called now, food stamps, housing subsidies, various unemployment. Uh, the uh, child tax credit qualifies here. They they want to you know increase the child tax credit to three thousand or thirty six hundred dollars again with no workfare. If you restore workfare 
you will save well over a trillion dollars over 10 years, yep. point number yep. one. And point yep. number two, kids, that the GOP has got to go back after all this incredible climate change spending. Right. I mean, right. they've just got to. They've got to say, H.R. 1, open the spigots. Yeah. And all these, you know, Liz, these investment tax credits is nothing more than spending through the tax code. They're a form yeah. of subsidized spending on the Green New Deal, which has done so much damage, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that the likelihood, though, of having any major tax overhaul is is slim to none in the foreseeable future. I really like the workfare idea because what happened during Clinton, you put in uh, restrictions yeah. on who could get various welfare programs. And the and the whole point is the welfare rolls dropped. Yes. So, yes. Yes. I, I mean, how how good would that be for America? Number one, to have those roles decline and have the money decline, but also put people to work. Larry, there isn't nearly enough conversation about the fact that we have, what is it, 100 million people not working. It's an enormous number. And when we have wages going up, uh, seemingly intractably slower, to be sure, a little bit, but nonetheless, wage price and wage inflation is still a big issue. And part of it's just because we don't have enough people applying for jobs. So I, I think I think that's indefensible. And, you know, some kind of change that requires people to at least apply for a job or do job training, just like we used to in the old days. You know, that has to happen. You know, if people go back to work, Steve, not only do you spend less welfare, but what happens? They're working. They, they get income. They and their yeah, revenues right. go up. So it's a double. Yeah. <laughs> now, the question is, will the GOP, I mean, this is a really important question on the budget. Will the GOP get on the workfare train? That's really a huge question. If they don't, two things, it seems to me. H.R. 1, uh, open the spigots, okay? Number two, uh, go after the IRS craziness. And number three, workfare. Now they yeah, won't get no, it, it. They won't get it through the Senate. I get that, but they have to make a statement, right? That's what this is. What we stand for, which is what they really didn't uh, yeah. do in the last election. Just saying. I'm not so sure. You, I'm not so sure you couldn't get that through. Look, work for welfare is like a ninety ten issue. I'm ninety percent of Americans agree with. You know, we all want a safety net for people who lose their job or call on you know fall on tough times. That happens to all of us throughout our work lives and. And so we want a safety net, but we also want to get people back on their feet as quickly as possible. You've had people now for almost three years, Larry, since the start of COVID yeah. who haven't worked a single hour. And, you know, that's bad as you've made the case powerfully. It's not just bad for society. It's bad for the individuals. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Force that one. Yeah. But so, Liz, um, Liz, socialists don't like work. Socialists, <laughs> socialists want to give you this is the Robert Rice riff a couple of years ago. They want to give you, and Bernie Sanders, they want to give you enough government assistance so you can yeah. pr you can pursue your dreams, Liz. You can well, go to the beach and, 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 and actually, pursue your, ride the waves. You can pull your canvas out and have watercolors. You can travel <laughs> around and go on airplane. I don't know what you do, but you can pursue your dreams. You don't work. Yeah. Work is inherently bad work it's oppressors want you to work this is a society where we're going to help the oppressed 
Well, you cannot help but have this conversation and recall Margaret <laughs> Thatcher's uh, little comment about eventually you run out of other people's money because for all those people not working, someone else is providing for their housing, their their food, et cetera, et cetera. But by the way, this is not anymore an imaginary idea. There are towns, municipalities uh, in various states. I think Ohio is yes. one where there are towns providing a universal basic income or whatever yes. you want to call it. It's popping and up it really everywhere. Is, it is, it is really insane. I mean, I, it, the entire premise just strikes me as ludicrous. And, and for all the reasons you guys just talked and about, by the way, fact, <clears throat> including the fact that nothing is more enriching. I don't know about you, but I feel so good when I've had a good work day and so lousy when I haven't. Me so too. isn't that kind of universal? Look, I mean, don't most people like to be productive human beings? I think that's a pretty natural urge. Look at, and you are taking away that capability. Look at us. The three of us are working on Saturday. How sick is that? <laughs> <laughs> but Liz, well, I, I, I got to correct you, Liz. I got to correct you on one small point. I know Thatcher said socialists run out of people's money. But Liz, modern monetary theory teaches yeah, us we'll you never run out of, run out of money. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> we learned that the hard way. I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, just, you know, I, I, kind of to punctuate the point that Liz was just making, you know, uh, work is so highly associated with, with greater health yeah. and greater happiness. Yeah. And and that's the point that Liz was making. And, and it is true. Everyone needs a reason to get up in the morning, and that's not to watch Netflix all day. <laughs> all right, kids. We're going to take a, a great break. <laughs> we, Liz Peak and Steve Moore. I'm Larry Keller. The three of us are working, and it's on Saturday. We'll be right, we'll be right back. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow, and I'm here with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and his book is Godzilla. Uh, so, kids, I, there's two little things here. Um, the Pentagon marches off to climate war. It's a great. And the other one, uh, James Freeman. Let me see. What did I do with my Jane? Here it is. James Freeman. The SEC rule aims to make every company a climate company. That's a great piece about Hester Pierce, by the way, who's the Republican Trumpster on the SEC that's opposed to this. But this is so great. The Pentagon marches off to climate war. So now these regs, these SEC regs, scope one, scope two, and scope three, right? It's not only the carbon emissions from the uh, defense contractor, you know, like Raytheon or Grumman or something. It's actually that plus how much electricity they use plus the carbon emissions from their suppliers and their customers. Okay. So um, basically, Liz Peak, we're going to have the new stealth bomber, this B-21. I don't know if you've seen it. It is a mother yeah. look. It's just phenomenal. So evil looking. It's just so great. The new stealth bomber is going to run. I'm sure you have them in your desk. These little AAA batteries, you know, those little batteries you put in your flashlight and stuff. That's what's going to run the new stealth bomber because of these new climate regulations. It makes every company a climate company. You know, I, I tweeted out that, that story, which I don't do very often, uh, and saying it should infuriate every American and also alarm every American. It, it, I don't think people recognize the depths of the climate sinkhole mm. that this administration is putting our country in. When you have a Defense Department that is going to spend thousands of man hours 
running down this rabbit hole of the climate mm. emissions calculations on every customer, every employee, everything they have to do. It is so preposterous, Larry. It is such a waste of time. And, and honestly, uh, right now, uh, you know, we just pa- uh, passed a defense bill. Our, our defense industry is struggling to keep up with the demand from this war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, the demands for things we need to have in the Pacific region to forestall any kind of bad behavior on the part of China. What are they even talking about? Who are the people making these decisions and these regulations? It is completely preposterous. And I tell you what, I, by the way, I wanted just to interject. Uh, the Republicans are going to force Biden to, to veto a bill right away. This is their first thing uh, declaring the climate. I mean, the uh, COVID emergency over. And I think that's a terrific veto. Mm-hmm. Make, make sure he has to stand up and say, oh, yeah, we still have a COVID emergency going on. But the second thing they should do is exactly this. Get rid of this rule. This is so stupid. It makes my head explode. Steve Moore, if you listen carefully, you can hear the Chinese cheering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of this climate stuff. They are cheering at the idea that the new B-21 stealth bomber will be run on small batteries. That's how absurd it's, this yeah. is. It's billions and billions of dollars. It's tens of billions yeah. of dollars that is not going to our national security, but to you know green green environmental policies. And uh, you know we already have a, a defense budget that's pretty tight right now. So and it's a dangerous world out there. And you know I mean as you said, are we really going to you know uh, power our tanks with solar energy? I mean it, the the thing is really quite absurd and dangerous. And on the on the issue of the um, ESG stuff, uh, you know, there was a big breakthrough this week that a lot of people didn't pay attention to, Larry. I, I've said on your show, I think we've reached weak, uh, po- uh, peak wokeism in America. Mm. And one sign of that, did you see Vanguard is now saying they're pulling out of yeah. ESG? They're one of the largest funds in America, you know, trillions of dollars under management. And they were big into this. And Vanguard said, you know what? We're not doing it anymore. You know why they said they're not doing it anymore? Because a lot of uh, attorney general uh, states are saying, we're not yeah. going to let you manage our pension funds if you're going to do this. But Liz, wasn't the ESG performance very bad? Terrible. Well, look, they got very badly hit this year. Why? Because amongst the best acting groups, of course, were oil companies. Right. They're yeah. not allowed yep. to oil company, right. own oil companies. Then, and, and let's remember who the beneficiaries of a lot of these programs are. They're middle-class Americans who have pensions because they worked in factories or whatever. And if they're, you know, they, uh, if these fund managers don't make their returns, these pensions are in trouble. Now the government can bail them out, but that's not the point. The point is, this is, uh, I, I am really delighted to see these attorneys general stand up and just say, no, we don't agree with this. You're not going to run our money because at the end of the day, folks, money talks. And that's the only way you're going to get these guys to change course. You know, on this article, this James Freeman article, he's quoting uh, Hester Pierce, who, again, I'll say is just terrific. But she's saying um, the, this is the SEC proposal. This is where this scope one, two and three stuff started. Mm-hmm. The yeah. climate proposal mandates disclosure about board oversight of climate related risks 
including identifying board members or board yeah. committees wow. responsible for overseeing climate-related risks, detailing board member climate expertise, describing the processes and frequency of discussions about climate-related risks, explaining how the board is informed about and how often it thinks about climate-related mm. risks. I mean, this wow. is insanity. This is Soviet-style stuff. And incidentally, somebody should ask, what exactly is the expertise on climate of the SEC? It's not yeah. the Securities and Environment Commission. It's supposed to be the <laughs> Securities and Exchange Commission. What is their expertise? What do they know about this stuff? Uh, nothing. Yes, thank you. I, I mean, guaranteed, they don't know very much. And if they did, they might took, take a look at what the economic impact of all this climate activism has meant for Western Europe or for the UK. Yep. Because guess what? It's a disaster in those countries. They are losing out not just because of the Ukraine war, but because they have offloaded their fossil fuel mm -hmm. and nuclear power to now intermittent and unreliable renewables. And their industries, like chemicals industries and stuff, that require a lot of power are really hurting. So is that really what they want to import to the United States? The answer is yes. And someone needs eventually to say, this is wrong for our country and for all these industries that we're trying to onshore. They need cheap power. So just knock it off. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I want to defrock it, Liz. I love yeah. that. I want you to defrock this whole thing. You know, uh, Steve Moore, the story this week, one story this week, um, this came out of Breitbart. The European Union uh, is paying Russia about 30 billion euros uh, to import LS, uh, um, uh, uh, liquid natural gas, LNG. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is roughly the same amount of financial right. assistance they've given to the Ukraine. All right, mm -hmm. so that's the fix they're in they're paying essentially they're paying putin 30 billion euros and they're paying ukraine 30 billion euros so it's a push but it's not supposed <laughs> to be a push okay that's the problem yeah. Yeah. so think about that in terms of liz's uh, example of how badly europe uh you know has behaved what have we learned nothing yeah. what have we yeah, learned it, here? It, nothing <laughs> well if anything liz understated how bad it is over in Europe right now. I mean, Germany is now basically telling their citizens, I'm not making this up, they're saying, you know, you better you better get candles ready for keeping the lights on. Oh, God. And, and, you, better, oh, and you better use wind. You better get some wood, firewood, for keeping your house warm. I got, I got a lot of wood in the Connecticut house. I got plenty of wood. Liz Peek and Steve Moore, you're both fabulous folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Thanks for listening to us. We will be back next weekend. You take care. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.